0: i to be with you here today. I just want to tell you the word. It tells us that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So God, we just thank you that we can come and we can worship you freely. We invite your presence in today. We come with expectant hearts.
1: feel free this morning come on somebody shout free we're so glad to be in the house of the Lord with you you can go ahead and grab a seat Uh, and if you're a first-time guest with us we just want to say welcome don't the first can we give it up for our first-time guests this morning so glad that you're here Whether you're in person or watching online, we just wanna invite you to participate in connection with us. So if you have your phone with you, you can text D1TEXT to 84576. You can scan the QR code on the screen or you can grab the connection card from the pew in front of you. Please fill it out with as much information as you don't mind us having. And what we want you to do with that connection card is at the end of service, you can drop it in one of the giving boxes as you exit or we ask that you hold on to it and take it into guest reception. We wanna exchange it for a gift. Our pastors would love to meet you, some of our leadership team, and we just wanna welcome you and, and just thank you for being here to worship with us. Don't the first, can we welcome our first time guests? So excited, and uh, today's going to be a good day. Again, if you're watching online, comment, let us know where you're watching from. You can share this while you're in the house, and um, I also want to remind you, we have a lot of things going on at Dothan First. There's life at Dothan First. There's a bunch of things that we want to inform you of, and one of the things is is uh, Precious Pearl's Widow Luncheon on March 9th at 11 a.m. And this is a uh, extension ministry of sisterhood. And what we want to do is we want you to RSVP to the church office. Please, I invite you. If you're a widow, if you know some widows in our community, we want to extend love and grace to them. This is an opportunity for us to build relationships with one another. So please RSVP uh, for that. And then also our young adult event. Can you give it up for our young people? If you're 18 to 35, I want to invite you on March 19th to a free event. And right now, if you got your smart device, if you fit in that category of 18 to 35, go ahead and pull your phone out. You need to go ahead and register for that event. I was talking to one of our students, uh, one of our interns uh, just yesterday, and he said, Pastor Will, I think I'm gonna try to get like 15 of my friends to come. I already sent them the QR code, so I'm inviting you, if you know some young people, you can even take a picture of that, share it on social media, but scan that QR code from uh, March 19th, our young adult service. We want you to be here so we can have the right amount of food to prepare for you. Also on Easter, April night, somebody say Easter. We have two Easter services coming up. They'll be at 9 a.m. and 1045. We wanna encourage you to serve one and worship one. And this is a great opportunity for you to start inviting people to invite your family, to invite your friends, to invite your coworker, to invite that neighbor that seems to like you want to build that relationship with them, this is a great opportunity for you to do so. So I encourage you at Easter on April the 9th, two services, please, 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 let's pack the house and it's gonna be a great day. And I hope you're excited for today because Pastor Mark will will be preaching a message in our Believe For It series on parenting. And so any of the parents in the house wave at me? We got any parents? Awesome. We're so glad that y'all are here. And uh, I I don't know if you noticed this, but our our area for our children just keeps growing. So the parents just keep coming. Parents just keep coming. So excited. But uh, Pastor Mark will be answering questions on parenting live during service. You can text D1 text to 84576 and uh, put, put your question in the question box. Uh, pastor Mark, I got a bunch of questions too. Lindsay and I are trying to figure this thing out before we get started. So y'all ask a lot of questions for me. But are you excited to be in the house today? I said, are you excited to be in the house today? It's gonna be a good day. And uh, before we go any further, I just I'm want to take the opportunity for y'all to encourage and celebrate and honor our pastor, Mark Benson, can y'all honor him as he comes to the stage? Because today is his birthday. Oh Oh, man. We like to celebrate here and Pastor Mark, I just want to tell you happy birthday on behalf of the church, the staff, Pastor Michelle, your family, and I just want to read some things over him real quick. We also have a gift for you. I'm going to take it off the stage, so I'm not even going to let you look at it right okay. now, but I'm going to tell you what's in it. One, uh, it's a uh, date night for you and Pastor Michelle at one of your favorite places. That's the so, best birthday present yeah. ever right there. <laughs> but then there's also, I just I want to briefly describe this moment. Uh, there's a, a picture frame in there of a moment where we went to, uh, I was Pastor Mark's armor bearer at a men's conference, and him and Pastor Wayne and Griffin were in the room, and Pastor Wayne was praying over a group of men, and Pastor Mark was off to the side, and Griffin was in the back shot. And I just felt like there weren't a lot of moments that y'all got to capture of ministry together. But I want to read this over him because I believe one of the greatest gifts, Pastor Wayne, you've given us, you and Miss Kathy is Pastor Mark. And then one of the greatest gifts you've given me is your son Griffin. But I, beyond him just being a father and a pastor, I want to read some things over you and just honor you today. You. Many people will never know the pressure and stress, stress that a pastor endures. Many will never understand the long hours of prayer, study, personal development, fasting, and vision casting. They may not see how countless needs are met, all the meetings, counseling sessions, and visits that happen throughout the week. Some may never know the pressure of keeping God's house excellent while forsaking your own, even at times your marriage and your children. Most will never endure and experience the pain and agony that comes with loving and caring for God's people. Yet most pastors humbly walk out their calling to the best of their abilities with no, no other agenda other than to advance God's kingdom, steward God's building, God's church, and edify God's people. I consider it an honor to to not only work for you, but to know you. And uh, I just want to say about our pastor, I feel like he encapsulates a lot of things. He carries a lot of weight, but we get to share that weight with you and I'm honored to know you. I just want to tell you happy birthday. Can y'all give it up for our pastor one Thank more time? You. Happy birthday. Thanks,
2: buddy. I love you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Man. And that was not in the order of service that we went over this morning so uh, (laughs) we'll talk about that later no I just so appreciate that thank you so very much and uh, it's a joy it's a joy to be able to do what we do and it's an honor to be able to celebrate as a pastor and as a leader to be able to enjoy the journey with you and um, Listen, what, one of the things that we love to do is, he just hon- honored me, which I appreciate, but we love to honor God around here. And uh, the best way I know how to honor God is to be able to partner in his field. How I many you know, God's got a field, a, a, a field that is ripe for harvest. That's what he calls it. His harvest field is lost souls. And so it's it's a joy to be able to celebrate in the harvest field of god and one of the ways we get to do that is we get to give unto the lord how many grateful gods blessed you over this past year over the past 10 years god's been so good and we're going to take a moment in this time of giving and we don't pass the plate uh an offering plate but you can you can see the five ways to give and if you do have something specific that You want to give toward our missionaries or toward our, uh, specifically, ministries that happen in this church, and you have a check or something like that, you can just simply use the giving envelope in the seat pocket in front of you, and then just worship on your way out at the giving boxes. You can just place that in on your way out, but I want to take a moment and pray a blessing over you and your family, your household. Today we're talking about parenting, and uh, around here at Dothan First, we believe in families. And we want to support families and help you in your journey. So let's take a moment and we're going to pray over this time of, of giving. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity we get to give. Church is your obedient to the giving of tithes and offerings. God's word says, prove me now in this. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing. There won't be room enough to receive it. I proclaim financial increase on you and your households. I call for better jobs to those who need or desire them. I declare favor and breakthrough in court cases, settlements, inheritances, and estates that are justly yours. Today, we just speak blessing over families, over households, over marriages, over parents and kids. God, I just speak strategic blessing over grandparents and grandkids. Today, Lord, would you pour out your spirit in this house. Make your presence known in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we prepare to give, we're also preparing to continue in worship and song. I'm going to invite your elders to make their way toward our various stations of prayer today. They'll be stationed in the back over here by the exit sign, in the back by this exit sign, and up in the balcony over here. And if you have a prayer request, a need that you have, I want you to know our God is a big God. He's a big God, and, and searching His heart is the best way to walk in His path. You know, over the past number of of weeks and months, we've been uh, celebrating and watching this Asbury revival as it's taken place. Isn't it awesome to have seen the goodness of God, the hunger of God's people as they've traveled literally from all over the country and finally they just kind of they pulled back the reins and said, you go to your places of worship, your houses of worship, and you continue to worship God there and and, and go after God. But can I just tell you what was most marked by that revival, that unique move of God was this. It was hunger and passionate prayer. You know, there wasn't a bunch of big names. There wasn't some great speakers. I mean, I'm sure they had, uh, you know, wonderful communicators and godly leaders. There wasn't like, great songwriting where the best of the best instrumentalists showed up. It it was all about the passion and the hunger of the people. Can I just tell you right here, right now, we have passionate and hungry people in this congregation, right here, right now, that want to go after God with everything that they've got. And if you'll do that, God shows up. It's not marked by a specific geographic location. It's about hunger and passion for the things of God. Can you stand up right now and just begin to worship God in your own way? Come on, go after God. Get desperate and hungry for Him. He'll answer your prayer. As you seek Him, you'll find Him. Come on, begin to worship Him right now. Cry out to Him. Use your mouth as an overflow to begin to thank Him for who He is and what He's done. Come on, worship the King together with me.
3: It's a rushing wind fire. The Word tells us, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. And sometimes that's all that's standing between us in a closer relationship with Him. is He's waiting on us to draw near to Him. He's waiting on us, as as this song said, to turn to Him in, in repentance and in hunger. As Pastor Mark said, it's our hunger that drives where we go. So today you have the opportunity, nobody's going to force you to do it, but we all, each one of us have the opportunity to go after God, to seek him with all that we are, to turn over every area of our life to him, to ask him to open up the hidden closets that's in our lives and pour it out of his feet and say, God, I am wholly yours, Lord. I am here to worship you, God. That's why I was created, Lord. I exist to serve you, to know you, to worship you, Lord. It's all about you. So come on and open up your mouth this morning. Let him know.
0: Church, let's sing it. Oh you have no There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. What does there
2: to do to, to break, break every chain? Yeah. Break where that power became real in us. The Bible said that that His power, the power, the wonder-working power of the blood of Jesus Christ made us overcomers. And so today we're going to take part in Holy Communion. And the symbols that we have today, and if you'll just go ahead and take those and ushers if you'd come to make sure that all have these elements, you can just come all the way down to the front and... Then turn around and if, if you just kind of wave as the ushers go by just letting them know if you did not receive one of these the juice and the bread we want to make sure that all have received but as we prepare to receive these elements today I think it's so important to remember just remember what Christ did on Calvary's cross to set us free The Bible says he set us free from the law of sin and death and those laws were the things that held us bound because if you're a lawbreaker at all, I, you know, think about it like this: What does it mean to be a sinner? I mean, if you're a sinner, that means you've sinned. Okay. Well, what is sin? It's it's those things that we've done willfully against God's plan and His purpose for our lives. It's it's the law. The Bible talks about the covenant law that that He established and put into place, but. If you're a breaker of one law, that means you're a lawbreaker, right? How many things do you have to steal to become a thief, right? If you steal one thing, you're a thief. How many lies do you have to tell in order to be considered a liar? Well, you just have to tell one lie, you're considered a liar. So, friends, if you're not perfect in fulfilling the entire law, then you're a lawbreaker. And so today, I want us to remember that when we walked in willful disobedience to God's plan, his order, his purpose, we set in motion a distancing ourselves from God. He didn't distance himself from us. He loves us with an everlasting love. But he wanted us to be close, to be reunited. And it felt so good. (laughs) He wanted us to be close. And so what he did to remove that sin barrier is he said, I'm going to send my son father sent his son jesus to this earth the god man and he lived a perfect and sinless life the only one that ever did so and then he died on a cross for our sins why he took the penalty of our sin he took it all he said i'm going to take it for you you were the one that was supposed to die for your sin and now i'm going to take that penalty upon myself and what he did in doing so was he reunited us back to him So today when we take these communion elements, we remember the price that was paid for us to be reunited So if you'll peel back the top Revealing the bread today And as we take that bread, what I want you to do is simply do this. I want you to remember Remember him Because he is remembering you. He's putting you back together all those broken places all those broken areas of your life, he's putting you back together by his love. Lord Jesus, we take this bread by faith, because on the night that you were betrayed, you took the bread and you broke it, you gave it to your disciples, you said, this is my body which was broken for you. Take this, and as you do, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's receive this bread by faith.
0: Thank you, Jesus.
2: Now, if you flip it over and pull back the tab revealing the juice and we don't believe that this juice becomes physically the blood but symbolically we receive this as a representation of the pure and spotless blood the blood that paid for my sin and for yours every sin you ever have committed the sins that you committed even just recent the present sins and even future sins that you would commit, he said his blood would be powerful. And it would be a a blood of forgiveness. For on the cross, he looked past time and eternity, and he said, Father, forgive them. So let's receive this cup by faith today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Can you just begin to thank him right now? Thank you for who he is, what he's done. Thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that sets us free from sin, gives us hope for eternity. Thank you, Jesus. We honor your name, the precious, holy name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Invite you to do something right now just remain standing and if you would in this reverent moment I believe that there are some here you took the bread and the juice and, and it was a customary or tradition but right now your heart is stirring because there's sin that's separating you from God and you just need that forgiveness maybe your heart has been stirring because you know you're away from God or there's sin that's separating you from God. And listen, God does not want you to be separated from him. Him. He wants to be drawn to you and you to be drawn to Him. So in this solemn, reverent moment with heads bowed and eyes closed, please no one looking around, I truly believe there are some in this room you need Jesus to come in, clean up some areas of your life. We all need His grace. We all need His love. We all need His mercy and forgiveness. But in this moment maybe it's a first-time decision or first-time commitment to make him lord and savior of every area of your life that's okay you're among friends here i'm not here to judge you it's not my heart to judge you it's my heart simply to invite you into this moment there may be others of you you're like the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter you you kind of walked away from his goodness you once knew the goodness of the lord and the connection and relationship but you've allowed it to become distant it's time to come back to Him Others of you, you live in the moments of spiritual tradition But you don't have true relationship And you need to come back in relationship with God You don't need to wear a, a mask of spiritual tradition You need to be real and authentic And have a connected relationship with your Creator Right now in this solemn moment, if that's you, God stopped the whole service and reordered ordered the service just for you. If that's you, I want you to do this. If you would, just slip up your hand by the raising of your hand. You're just acknowledging, Mark, that's me. Include me in this prayer right now. Come on, all over this place. In the balcony, on the main floor, yes. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Six, seven, God bless you. Eight, anybody else? God bless you. Nine, toward the back, yes. God bless you. Ten, over here. Anybody else? the balcony or on the main floor under the balcony God bless you yes so many hands have gone up this is a solemn moment God bless you yes God bless you you can put your hands down I want to I want to simply lead you in a prayer a prayer to invite him in for the first time or back in as as a relational connection So right now, would you pray this prayer with me? Everyone in the room, would you pray this? Those watching online, you can pray this prayer as well. But I'd like us all to pray it out loud together. Would you say this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Give me a fresh start. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Forgive me of my past. Make me clean and from this day forward i will serve you wholly and completely i give my life to you in jesus name now fill me with your holy spirit so i can live a godly life in jesus name amen amen can you just put your hands together and celebrate all over this house for what god is doing come on this is precious before him Amen, amen. Will you just turn to the person beside you, next to you, around you, and just say, God is powerful. And then you can go ahead and be seated. God is powerful.
3: A holy stewardship, a precious opportunity, a divine calling, a parent. Parenting isn't just about babysitting and potty training. It's not just about teaching them to ride a bike or tie a shoe. It isn't just about making lunches and brushing teeth. Parenting is about changing the world. It's about reminding our kids who they really are. Children of God, born for his glory. So parents, let's remember that the most important meetings of your day aren't in a conference room or on a stage, but at the dinner table and at the bedside. Let's remember that there's no quality time without quantity time. That the most valuable thing is not what you leave for them, but what you leave in them. That every time they fall down, you have the responsibility and the privilege of lifting them back up. Remember that your kids don't need you to be popular, productive, and certainly not perfect. They need you to be present. And remember that every time you wipe away the tear on their cheek, you're giving them a glimpse of the day when God himself will wipe away every tear forever. The Bible tells us to train up a child in the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not depart from it. So show them the way, pray for their soul and give them your best because God gave you to them.
2: Many thank God kids are a heritage from the Lord, amen. 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 Well, why don't you do this? Go ahead and grab your copy of God's word and say this with me say, I am what God's word says I am, I can do what God's word said I can do, I can become all that God said I could be. So, today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now just turn to the person next to you and say, neighbor, he's gonna talk to you about parenting, so pay attention, all right? Just go ahead and let him know. Oh, take a moment, give it up for all those watching for the very first time online, can you do that? Welcome. Welcome, glad you're joining with us and for our first time guests that are in the house today, so thankful that you're here We would be so honored to meet you right after this service out the doors and to your left will be our guest reception And my wife, Michelle, and I will be there along with some of our other leadership team. And we'd be so blessed, so honored to get to know you and give you a gift for hanging out with us today. So please take a moment and stop by. If you've not, maybe you've been here a couple or three or four weeks, but you never stopped by, we would be so honored to meet you today. That would be our great, great Joy. How many of you remember when you were a kid? Because we're all children in the room. We may not all be parents in the room, but we're all kids in the room. If there are parents whether we knew them or not. Uh, or if you were a uh, maybe adult now, adult child, maybe you just act like a child. I don't know. But how many of you remember when you were a child? I'm talking about, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years of age. And all of a sudden, you wanted something really bad from your parents, and they, they just didn't give it to you. They just didn't give it to you. Or maybe they handed down a punishment for something that you did, and you felt like it was way over the top. And maybe you just made a a statement if you were able to get away with this in your house and I wasn't able to stomp in my house, but maybe you were able to stomp and you stomp to your room and you said to yourself, One day, one day when I have kids, I will never do that to my kids. And then, You grew up, and you got married, and you said your I do's, and you came back from the honeymoon, and later you found out that you were pregnant. And you, before the child was even born, you bought a mug that said, world's best parent. (laughs) And you were so excited that little child over that nine-month period of time, you're doing all the things that you think are going to be the right thing as a parent. And then that child is born. You can't even believe they let you take that child home, a baby home from the hospital. How many were like me? And you're like, I can't believe. I shouldn't we stay a little longer? Like, I didn't have to take a test or nothing. They just told me, don't shake the baby. That was about all they gave me. I'm like, okay. What else should I do as a parent? Scary, but you bring that child home and it's so little and so cute and you change the diaper and you learn how to do all the right things at the right time and you think you're gonna be the best parent in the whole wide world and all of a sudden, they hit like two and three and after they say the mama and the dada and whatever else you taught them to say, they learn a word that you never taught them. Words like no! And mine. And you think to yourself. This is my moment to shine. And you practice. Your parenting skill. Your 20 year old. Mid 20s parenting skill. On that child. And for whatever reason. Shock of all shocks. It doesn't work like you thought it would and you try like five or six or seven different parenting skills that you think you were able to learn and it doesn't work what do you do in that moment you can either go like some of us have I can't believe I'm doing just exactly what my parents did I now get it And then you call up your parents and you go, you were the best parents in the whole wide world. At 14 and 15, I just thought they were ignorant. Like they just didn't have a clue. And they got so smart in my 20s. I don't know what happened. I don't know if you went to parenting class. I don't know if you went to college and got a master's level degree. But somehow, someway, from 14 to 22, you became incredibly intelligent. Or I just got a clue. And some of you parents in this room feel just like that. Here's what often happens. You have what I'll call a a parent pendulum. Parenting pendulum. Matter of fact, I've never heard the phrase used, so don't tweet it because I might write a book about it. Parenting pendulum. Here's what typically happens as a parent. Instead of staying in balance we usually overcorrect. You know what a pendulum is, right? It swings back and it swings forth. Maybe it's on a string and it's a weight at the bottom and it just... And it rarely ever just kind of slows down enough to bounce out in the middle. So, so you, you either do this... You're mad and you're frustrated and you're angry and you can't believe that your child is disrespecting you. After all you did, you've provided for their every need. You took care of them. You've clothed them. You've fed them. You put a roof over their head. You've done everything you know how to do. You read books on parenting. You've tried to watch videos on parenting. You did everything you could do. And this child is the the one child in the world that is just a brat. They were born a brat. And the pendulum... I mean, how is it possible that you could both love and hate a human being at the same time? How is that even possible? This is the child you birthed. It's your DNA. And sadly, most of us as parents, we we find ourselves in our kids or our spouse in our kids and the things we don't like about ourselves or the things we don't like about our spouse we see in our kids and boom, overcorrect. And weirdly enough, some of us, we go the other extreme. Well, my parents disciplined me, so I'm just gonna let my kid go free flow. See what happens. And now you're the overcorrected parent on this pendulum, and now you just let your kid just go, no, and mine, and so what? They don't like what you're saying. And you go. It's okay, baby. Just It's just going to be okay. It's just going to be fine. Just a little more love will make it all go away. So what do you do in the balance? You don't want to be screaming and volatile and lose your mind. On the other side, you got to parent them somehow because you want others to like your kid. One of the most important things you can do as a parent is to train up your child in such a way that other people like to be around them because they take cues. Matter of fact, they they read faces and body language. That was what was unique about the culture of face masks because the masking of a face hides uh, a certain body language, specifically facial expressions, and it made it difficult for children to understand responses during that era. It was a unique time in our, our history but they read facial expression and they can learn how a person, they can learn to be rejected when people don't correct and then they just pitch a fit and they pitch a fit with you and you go, it's okay. And then they get in first, second and third grade and they pitch a fit with their friend and their friend, boom, punches them in the face and they go, wait a minute, you're not mama. What's wrong? I want to teach you some things today that I believe will help you. And listen, some of you parents that are struggling and grandparents too, You don't, listen, you fit in this category too. I don't want you to miss the mark. Matter of fact, uh, one of the most important questions that came in is this. How, let me read it to you. How do you parent a child that dishonors you? How do you parent a child that dishonors you. I want to teach you about honor. Parents teaching honor. We're heading toward the months, what I would call the months of honor. April, you know that we honor the Lord Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. We honor it through Palm Sunday and we honor it through Good Friday and we honor it on Easter. We honor those special moments dedicated to the Lord. Then, you know, we we skip from April to May and now we honor mothers for their sacrifice and their love. Then in June, we honor the fathers. Somewhere in between there, based on when the calendar falls, we celebrate and honor graduates who have finally made it to the pinnacle of their success in that moment we honor them we honor veterans and those who gave their lives a memorial day somewhere that fits around that the months of honor and i believe it's so important that we learn to honor. But what does honor mean anyway? It means to give credit or recognition or to highly respect and esteem. Honor is more than just a one-time event in a given year. Can I just say it like this? As as wonderful and as amazing as my family is, uh, we Michelle said we're going to have a celebratory birthday meal this afternoon. And she was up this morning cutting potatoes. And I just, I was so thankful for the meal that's about to take place. But pretending pretending, and this isn't the way my family is, but pretending that my mom, my dad, my wife, my kids, they hate me all year long, dishonor me all year long, treat me like dirt all year long. And then on that one day they give me a gift and a card. How many of you know that's probably not the totality of honor, right? It goes beyond a card or a day like Father's Day or Mother's Day. It goes beyond a day when we celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection. It goes beyond a day. Honor carries all year long. One of the primary reasons of the downfall of families, I believe, is a lack of honor. A lack of even, even uh, watching television shows, you can hardly find an intact family where they honor one another. I mean, dishonor is funny. Dishonor is Humor. Dishonor is comedy. And so there's hardly any intact families. No, no one to show honor to one another, to prefer one another. In Exodus chapter 20, going back to one of the first commands that was given, it was written by God in a stone tablet. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Let's look at it. Honor your father and mother. And the Bible says, then, everybody say then, which means it's a condition. It's like an if-then statement. If you honor your father and your mother, then you will have a long, full life. Other translations say fulfilling life. They say, Mark, that's Old Testament. We live in New Testament. We are a New Testament believer. Great. Ephesians chapter 6. Take a look at it. Here it is, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, honor, here it is again, your father and mother, this is the first command with a promise. So it states that out of all the commands that were given, this is the first one that actually has an if-then statement, it's conditional, there's a promise that goes along with it, that if you do this, there's some benefit that you receive, and here's the benefit received, it says, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. How many parents in the room just want to tell your kids, if you just obey, if you just honor, if things are going to go so well for you, <laughs> let me just stop and say this, and I'm going to uh, re- I'll read the last part, and then if things will go well for you, and you'll have a long life on the earth. All right, now, let's talk about that. If you do this, then things will go well for you. I can attest to this. There have been times in my life as my kids were growing up where when they acted well, I wanted, it was the overflow, to want to bless them. Like, I, I want to give something special to you. I, I, because of your honor, because of the way that you've walked in honor, I, I want to bless you. I, I want to go to Dairy Queen and bring you to Dairy Queen with me. And, but if you're not honorable all week long and you're just stubborn and rude and obnoxious and mean and you create all kinds of havoc in the house, I'm going to Dairy Queen without you. <laughs> How many parents, no, I don't want to say how many parents have felt that way before because your kid might be in the room. Anyway, the point is there's a blessing in honor and there's no age limit or time limit to this blessing. You could be 80 years old in the house and still have a 100-year-old parent and it still is a cycle of honor. Why did God put this command in there anyway? Matter of fact, he teaches to, to honor all authority, not just parental authority, but all authority. So there's a lot of times that people tell you what to do and whether you want to or not, you need to do it. And so you need to honor uh, authority. But how many know authority is imperfect? They're, they're imperfect. Look, man, how many of you are... Um, are uh, you the firstborn in the family put up your hands firstborns in the family okay just look around these are the guinea pigs of the household I just want you to understand 20 year old parents mid 20s sometimes teenage parents but 18, 19, 20 years of age 22, 24 years old this is their first child they have no clue what it's like to be a parent they're doing their best but they put you under sometimes the heaviest scrutiny come on firstborns am I right? You're in charge of watching and raising all the other kids in the house, or at least you thought you were. <laughs> How many of uh, the last born, you're the baby of the family, put up here, oh, this is the one where the parents have way more money than they ever had. <laughs> this is where they just, they're, they're tired of putting in all the energy, all the effort, and they're just like, just go do it, just, I don't know. And the oldest is like, what? You're doing what? I don't get it. They were, who are these parents you're talking about? They're not the ones that raised me. How come you get to do this and do that? You got a car at 16? I didn't even get a bicycle at 16. Any middle children in the room? I don't know. God bless your hearts. Let's just take a moment and pray right now over each one. that's You suffered the abuse in the middle. The firstborn was picking on you and telling you what to do and acting like a mom or acting like a dad. The youngest one got the special treatment and here you are in the middle. God bless your heart. Isn't it weird? Even birth order. Even the challenges that are part of the birth order. And we're talking about imperfect people. Matter of fact, let's go a step further if we're going to go ahead and blame the parents. Let's just go all the way back. They, your parents, were raised by parents. I know this is crazy, but they were once children and they have, they have parents too. And their parents may have had some issues in life, may have had some uh, distinctive issues, <laughs> And they might have been raised by imperfect parents that were raised by imperfect parents that were raised by imperfect parents that were raised by imperfect parents. The fact that you're even alive, that your parents didn't kill you, is a blessing from God. Right? But listen, kids don't learn honor by teaching. They learn honor by modeling it train up a child in the way he should go so when he's old he doesn't depart from it it's not teach up a child tell him what to do and tell him what to do and tell him what to do and tell him you need to have honor for all authority you need to have honor for all authority can you believe our president he's a stupid bumbling idiot and you say this in front of your kids I thought all honor to all authority wait a minute wait a minute you're over here, you need to obey authority and you need to respect authority. I can't stand police. I just don't, I don't, can't even believe all the stupid, rotten. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching so much better than you're letting on. A president or presidents that you're supposed to be praying for and modeling to your children to pray for those in authority over you. To pray. Listen, we are, when, when you go into a courtroom and, and uh, you're supposed to address the judge, you call them what? Your honor. Does that mean that judge is a really nice person and you're addressing his personality? No. You're addressing his position or her position. This is called positional Honor. Whether it's the police or uh, the the governing authorities, the politicians or pastors or leaders in your life in some form or parents. You need to honor and respect mommy and daddy. You need to respect me. You need to respect me. You need to honor me. My stupid parents, they're just getting old and I can't even believe they're doing stupid stuff. And and these kids are listening and they're watching how you honor your parents and they're going, oh, (laughs) I gotcha. I'll take care of that later. Right? Think about this. Modeling, it begins at home. It's where the formation happens. Even today, when some of you act out in certain ways <clears throat> and you don't understand why you act out, many times it's because you're still, re- you're still reacting from unresolved issues within that parent relationship. You may be an adult child. And you're responding even with your, within your own marriage because of unresolved issues between you and your parents. Sur- surveys have shown that when you uh, learn how to get along with your, your parents, you have far less stress in your life and uh, it's an easier transition into your own marriage and into your own family. And you may say, well, wait a minute now, Mark. I didn't grow up with great parents. I get that. And we're gonna talk about that in just a minute. But that all-important question, how do you raise a child? That's being disrespectful. How do you honor your parents? I think it's age appropriate. It's age stages. For a child, the first way to honor your parents is to obey them. Right? That's what the Bible says. Look at this in uh, Ephesians, rather, chapter six, verse one: "Children, obey your parents, for this is right. It's right to do because God, here it is, has placed them." in authority over you. It's not because they were perfect. You don't honor just someone that's just perfect because nobody is. You honor because of that position, because God placed them there. Proverbs 19, 26 says it like this, a son who mistreats his father or mother is a public disgrace. You can choose to be blessed or cursed based on That teaching of honor, teaching respect. The Bible talks about when when a child is to obey, they're supposed to obey willingly and pleasantly and immediately. Now, let's just stop and say this, parents, especially you younger ones in the room. Don't make your rules list so long and so complicated that you don't even know what the rules in your house are. Matter of fact, in our house, it was three words just a few letters in each one of the words too. Do not lie. That was a big one. That was, matter of fact, for us, the only thing that a child in our household could do that would receive an automatic discipline was lying. That's it. Matter of fact, you could get away with a whole lot of stuff in my house if you tell me the truth. If you're honest with me, why? Because if you have honesty, then you can have relationship. You can't have relationship with somebody you don't trust. And so what happens is as long as that child is honest with me and, and, and forthright with me, they can get away with a lot of stuff and get by with a lot of stuff. And I'm not saying we just excused everything that they did, but I'm saying your punishment would be much heavier and much faster. If you do not tell me the truth, if you lie, lying is an automatic punishment and make it age-appropriate, age-specific. I understand that. And teach your kids the punishment in your house. If you have more than one child, teach them your punishment is not going to be fair. Just tell them up front. I just want you to know, your brother and your sister are not going to receive the exact same punishment every time than that you get. Just tell them up front. You're like, wait a minute, this is bad parenting. You want to know why? You want to know why? Because we have three children. And for one child, all you have to do is look at them.
0: Oh, Dad, I'm so sorry.
2: Please forgive me. I'll never do it again. And they go through like the stages of apology. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'll never do it again. They restate what they did. I know that I did this, and I'm choosing not to do it anymore. Daddy, let's take a moment before God right now. And I've asked him for repentance. Now I'll ask you, Father, if it be unto thee, forgive me. To get the same reaction out of other children of ours, it would take a two by four over the top of a head. And I'm not going to say which one. to protect both the innocent and the guilty. You know, and we we joke about this, but let's face it. You know, those of you that have one child and they're the, they happen that child comes out, happens to be a compliant child and you are like, ooh, I'm the best parent there ever was. I know my way around parenting. I'll write a book today. They're three years old. I will write a book today. This child has never cried in their life. They do everything I say. You're like, oh, look at me. Until you get a second one. And all of a sudden, the parenting rules fly out the window and you're like, dear Lord, what have, I, what have we created? This is your child. They're taking after you. <laughs> See, if you have that first child, they may be like a John the Beloved. Oh, let me just lean against Jesus. He's so good and I'm so good. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the second child is a John the Baptist and he's out in the backyard eating locusts and wild honey and wearing like a deer skin over himself. And like, what is this animal that you've raised? Come on, somebody man, I'm running out of time and I've got so much more to say. Listen, don't just look for compliance. Listen, don't just look for compliance. Watch and listen to their spirit. Because the intentionality of your parenting is to form them when they're a sapling because it's much harder to mold an oak tree. And one of my favorite perspectives is in our subdivision where there's uh, small, some, some people have planted some smaller trees or they've replaced trees and put smaller ones up. When those little tiny saplings are starting to grow, they have stakes on both sides and they have these little metal uh, uh, rings that go up and around it and it pulls the tree on one side and it pulls the tree on the other side, so it'll grow straight and tall. And both a mom and a dad can help to bring that balance. And I'm not, for those of you that are single parents in the room, I want you to know we acknowledge you and we want to help you in your journey too. And God says he'll be a father to the fatherless, so he'll help you too. But we're here as the body of Christ, as as believers, as pastors and leaders to assist you in the child-rearing process. That's why we have and have spent time and energy and money and and brought in some of the best of the best of the best children's pastors and youth pastors on the planet just to help you in the child-rearing process so you're not alone. Creating a culture of honor. And since you kids, those of you that are in the room that are children in your parents' household, since you are considered dependents because it's tax season, (laughs) you know what a dependent is? They spend more than you get back in taxes. (laughs) If our worship team will come and I got about six more pages and I'm not gonna go five more hours, But I'm just going to start at the kid range, the smaller ones, and then I'll move my way through into adulthood. But creating a culture of honor, what's it look like? Well, you have these dependents in your home, and they're dependent on you for a lot. But student in the room or child in the room, can I just tell you, if your parents put a roof over your stinking head, (laughs) if they're paying for your medical insurance or they're paying for a school bill or they're paying for the food that you put in your belly or they're paying for the clothes that are on your back you don't have a right to tell them what to do you are a dependent which means you can't yet make it on your own you need them for survival and more than that it's a biblical principle you know Let me just veer off the beaten path for 30 seconds or 30 minutes. I don't know. If they're paying for your cell phone bill. Ooh, I heard mm, 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 mm. All of us are mm, mm. If they're paying for your cell phone, they own the phone. Their name's on the bill. They own the phone. Say that again. They own the phone. They own everything about it. Everything about it. When parents tell me, oh, well, I just don't, my, don't know my kid's password. Well, take that phone and shut it off. Take that computer and shut it off. It's your internet service. It's your LTE service. It's your access. It's your 5G. I'm not very techie. Well, you better get techie if you're going to put techie in their hands. Parents you know they have uh, they have found scientists, researchers psychologists psychiatrists in all the research they've done they found that that social media and uh, having access to a cell phone texting and so forth every time you receive something from someone it's a dopamine hit it's that chemical release. It's highly addictive chemical release that goes throughout your body. It's a, It's got a reward system attached to it and social media developers have actually admitted that they use this on you and your children, that there's an addiction of taking your phone and, and doing this. There, there's an addiction when the first thing that you do when you wake up is not say good morning, Lord, or good morning, honey, but you immediately check your phone. You can't even hardly get through a few seconds of rubbing the sleep out of your eyes before you check your phone. And then it's the first thing you see when you wake up and it's the last thing you see when you go to bed. Every meal is everybody around the table doing this and doing this, it's a, it's, they've proven it's a dopamine hit. It's the same type of dopamine hit that you get when you, uh, you try drugs and then become addicted to drugs. It's an, it is, it's an addiction. And and the challenge of most parents and the challenge of those of you in this room is uh, we in an older generation, let's say, you know, uh, Generation X or before, we tend to look down on those that are in Generation Y or, or they're called Millennials or Generation Z, Gen Z. We tend to look down on them because we've told them that they're, they're, they act entitled and lazy, which is really those general, those sweeping generalities are, are not quite accurate. But, but older generation has a tendency to do that. But the difference between the two generations is that one grew up with cell phones and one didn't. And you, the parents were the ones that gave them the cell phone to begin with when they were anywhere from six to 15 years of age. Do you, listen, I want you to think about this. In order to vote on a gun or uh, drink alcohol, you have to be of a certain age because they know those things could be dangerous in the hands of someone that's too young to know what to do or how to manage it, true? But there's no age limits or restrictions to giving kids access to everything under the sun that they could get access to. And so here's what happens. They learn at a young age about dopamine hits. And they learn how to gain their influence and their identity out of that social media dopamine hit. And so it goes further in that, that they've found that, Uh, parents of of the millennial generation in particular, um, they gave their children reward systems that they did not earn. So it started with something simple, like, again, here's the pendulum parenting. You got a generation that grew up that all of these kids that are five, six, seven, eight years old that are playing sports, you got these angry fathers that are screaming at refs at, at the kids like seven years old and they're screaming at the refs Moms screaming at the refs and all these parents that they just know their kid is going to one day be the derek jeter your kid's going to be the derek jeter and they're yelling and screaming and fussing and making all kinds of you know and and only the winner gets the trophy and so the overcorrection came they're like okay you know what everybody gets a trophy it doesn't matter if you earned it or not you could be the biggest loser you could be out picking daisies you could be like one of our children that when they played softball they went out into the 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 middle of the field and they were braiding hair out in. The, they're braiding their friends hair out there in the field we thought they were going to be the best baseball player in the world there they are braiding hair everybody gets a trophy. So it devalues and it demeans hard work. And then it used to be when I was growing up, now I'm gonna sound really, really old school, but when I grew up, if I got in trouble at school, I got in trouble at, at home. No more. How many teachers are in the room? How many administrators are in the room? How many people that work with kids or teenagers in the school systems? You can attest to this. All of a sudden, now, that kid did not deserve to be in honors class or deserve to pass that test, but the teachers are so scared of the parents because the parents are not supporting the teachers who are getting paid way too less, way too little to be messing with your kid. (laughs) Teachers in the room. (laughs) I'm trying to help somebody and so the, the kid has been told you're special you're awesome you can do all things you can do anything you don't have to work for anything and then they get in the workforce and they get hit upside the head they realize they're not as special as they were told by mom and daddy they won't be able to have mama call to get them a promotion and guess what hard work actually gets you somewhere no work gets you laid off and they have an identity crisis. So they go to their social media dopamine hit, and all of a sudden they're looking for likes. And they determine their value and their identity based on who likes them. Just nameless faces and, 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 and fa- actually faceless people, because you can create social media under a different account. You can create fake accounts. People do that all the time. And so these young kids are growing up in a generation where if they show enough skin, they'll get likes. If they do enough stupid stuff, they'll get likes and they find the wrong outlet. So guys, listen, I'm not suggesting, I'm talking about parenting with a pendulum. I'm not saying way over here, no child should ever have a phone. Nor am I saying every child should have instant access to all the phone has to offer. I'm trying to bring you back into balance to help you realize that we created a culture that's challenged and far worse now is that those very same kids, they've learned how to put filters on everything they post so they look better than they are. So they may be dealing with stress and anxiety and fear and suicidal thoughts, but they put the filter to make themselves look good when they're struggling. They've learned how to fake it. And they learned if they fake it good enough, they get more likes. And then they go through the trauma of being unfriended publicly. You know what it was like when your friend said he didn't wanna hang out with you anymore. That was bad enough, but you get unfriended publicly and it is public humiliation. Or worse yet, if you just happen to post the wrong thing at the wrong time, you will get canceled. And the fear of being canceled as a human. Are you following all this? I know I took a rabbit trail, but I feel like it's okay because I want to help you. This all comes back to honoring mother and father, that father and mother really do know and they understand and they love you. They're trying to protect you, trying to help you. I'm trying to help you as your pastor. How do we do this? We help kids find their identity in in Christ. You help your kids find their identity in the relationship between parents and kids. They learn from you by your modeling and how do you model it? You model your love for Christ and your identity in Christ by serving the Lord with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and by bringing your kids along for the ride. The best thing that your kids can see you do is to watch you pray. I know it's fun and good as parents to hide away to do your prayer and Bible reading, but it's awesome when you do it out in the open because it shows your kids, it models how to pray, how to talk to God as a son or a daughter. It models that moment where you can say, God, I love you and I trust you. Or when you're going through crisis and you're crying out to God, you don't have to hide that. You can be real and authentic and honest and say, I need help, God. I need your assistance, Lord. And it shows that kid that you can put an identity in him and not in everybody else. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? I want to pray over every parent in this room. And we've already asked for those who wanted to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And I'm so so glad and so grateful that you've made a decision for Christ. But I want to help you in this journey of faith. It's a tough, tough journey for kids. first thing we can do to showcase honor is to obey the Lord. For us as adults, I don't care if you're 60, 70, 80 years of age, obey the Lord. Honor God. It's the right thing to do. And when you showcase your submission to the Lord and your obedience to the Lord in front of your kids, it does, it works wonders. So I want to pray over kids, teenagers, teenagers, parents, grandparents in this room, we care about you, we love you, and we want to help you in this journey. And I want to pray over you right now. Lord Jesus, I pray over every parent, every grandparent, every teenager, every young child in this room, God, and I speak, God, love and favor over them. God, I speak identity over them for them to know who they are in Christ, who they are in their family, And I pray that support system among parents and children would be so strong. And even grandparents that are modeling the faith of Jesus, modeling their faith in Christ, would showcase it down to the generations behind them, that they would leave a lasting legacy of faith. And now, God, I pray over those families that are struggling, or even that one or two or many that ask the question, how do you deal with kids that are being dishonorable? Lord, I pray that we would model honor in every facet, in every form. Is there problems in this world? Are there problems with authority figures? Sure, they're imperfect. But, Lord, we honor position, and we pray for those in authority over us. We pray. God, help our leaders, help our our presidents, help, Lord, the police and the pastors and uh, the politicians. Lord, help our parents. God, I speak wisdom over every parent in this house that's battling, giving them, Lord, I pray, strategic and individualistic wisdom right now in Jesus' name. Begin to download to them right now how to parent that child, how to to get connected and close and loving and caring with that child. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, would you overwhelm them with supernatural wisdom from on high, better than the books or better than the podcasts. I pray, Holy Spirit, download to your people to know how to care for their families, to raise up their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I speak life over them right now in Jesus' name now may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you may the lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace and may the lord our god write his name on your heart and declare you're my child no one can take you from my hand in jesus name amen amen if you remain seated for just another moment i'm going to release some of our leadership team to head to the back those that are first-time guests we'd be honored to greet you and connect with you But I also want to let you know this very important thing. We're going to, Lord willing, continue on with this parenting series. We want to help you. And I think the next few weeks are going to really help and assist you in this process. Invite friends or family members that you know have kids or struggling. It's it's like having a free conference in your backyard. You know what I'm saying? We just want to walk with you in the journey because we want to raise up a generation of God-fearing kids who love the Lord and love those parents that are raising them. So here's what I want you to do if you be so kind as to do it. Begin to pray about those that you can invite for the, the next few Sundays leading all the way up till Easter. And I'm gonna I'm gonna really encourage you this Easter, as Pastor Will said, we've got a nine o'clock service and a 10:45 service, two services. Here's what I'm gonna ask of you, okay? I don't I don't ask an awful lot, uh, but I'm asking specifically this once once a year, especially as we move into a two service format for that one day Easter Sunday. I'm gonna ask you to be available, make yourself available to serve one and attend one. Here's why we do that. <clears throat> So many times, if you've got one service, people go, oh, I don't wanna miss this service or that service. And they choose not to serve in kids ministry or, or whatever. They, they don't serve in those various areas. And so there's a gap because it, it's, you know, missing. But when you do two services, you give the opportunity to be able to participate in the service and to be able to serve somebody. I'm believing this house is going to be jam-packed on both services with your help, with lost souls who don't know anything about Christ, to find Jesus as the Lord and Savior. That's my belief. With your help, let's do that together and let's serve our city well. Amen? Amen. Hey, God bless you. We love you. Have a Jesus-filled week. We'll see you either this Wednesday or next Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed.